Welcome to Global Stage, a podcast highlighting academic and policy-oriented international research on democracy and human development. Global Stage is a production of the Kellogg Institute for International Studies, part of the Keough School of Global Affairs at the University of Notre Dame. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Global Stage. I'm Joachim Ozanza, a Peace Studies and Theology PhD student, and we are pleased to have here with us Todd Walakde. Thank you for having me. So there is an amazing, awful lot of things to talk about, Todd, but for the sake of our podcast, Todd is an associate teaching professor and the assistant chair for graduate studies in the Department of Theology, where he specializes in contemporary Catholic systematic theology. His research focuses on influential Latin American thinkers, including Gustavo Gutierrez, John Sobrino, Juan Luis Segundo, and Archbishop Oscar Romero. So Todd has an ongoing book project that explores the thoughts of Archbishop Oscar Romero. Once again, it's a pleasure to have you here, Todd. No, thank you. It was really a little difficult to like get a date for this podcast today. And I would begin by asking, why did you choose today, February 22? Yeah, so I would like to think that it was out of great intentionality, but rather it was what worked with our schedules. But it just so happens, today is the day that Romero was installed as Archbishop in San Salvador in 1977. And it's interesting, actually, if we go back, because he was not the obvious choice. There were actually two figures that were considered in terms of being Archbishop. And the Vatican actually consulted with leaders in the church, in society, among the oligarchy. And it was actually, it was the preference of the priests to go with the other candidate. And it was the preference of the government and those in power to go with Romero. And so that's actually one of the reasons why Romero became Archbishop of San Salvador on this day in 1977. And much changed over the next month or two. And we enter into this incredible history of his life and witness as Archbishop. Yeah, I just couldn't but help begin with asking this question because obviously much of your work and your ongoing book project, which we'll talk more about, is really focused on the thoughts of Oscar Romero. So how did you get to, how did you find Oscar or rather how did Romero find you, whichever? (laughs) No, that's a great question. I think, you know, a lot of us come to Romero's thought in many different ways. For me, it was actually just through other Latin American thinkers. So much of my work has been on Latin American theologians coming out of Vatican II, particularly folks like Gustavo. Gutierrez and John Sabrino. And it was in reading these folks that you hear Romero's name again and again. And I mean, I knew of his life, his witness, but Sabrino particularly draws on Romero's witness in so many different ways. And Gustavo coming out of Peru, but Gustavo says, you know, actually the history of the Latin American church is split in two phases. There's the before Romero and after Romero. Mm. And so for me, it was reading these figures and say, okay, I have to read more on him. He needs to become more than just sort of this pious example, which is kind of what I knew of him before. And so, I mean, once you start getting into his, his homilies, his letters, mm. his thought, his witness, so I've never gone back, you know, you just keep going. So there is a BR and a AR. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is interesting. And you've also been teaching Archbishop Oscar Romero too in, in many classes. How has that been? Like what really stands out to you in your teaching experience so far? Yeah. Yeah. So so those who know my, my teaching, I, I try to sneak Romero in to pretty much any course I teach. And it's actually quite easy because he preached homilies every Sunday. So we have three years worth of homilies. Mm -hmm. So on any topic you want to discuss, Mm -hmm. you have a homily or a letter or a reflection that you can put into a course. And actually one of my like 
main callings or goals, I guess you should say, is to help as many people encounter Romero as possible. Mm. I think he speaks to our contemporary moment. What does it mean to live the Christian life in a, in a polarized society? What does mm. it mean to seek unity, but unity that's grounded in justice? Mm. All these challenges we face, I think his witness really speaks to that. But one of the interesting things I've found with teaching Romero is I love teaching him because he challenges every student in a particular and productive way. I found that students, wherever they're coming from, they're able to find some contact point with Romero. And on that contact point, they're challenged to see something more. So for instance, I have plenty of students here at Notre Dame. I love these students who come and they love the magisterium. They love the teachings of the Pope. They love, like, you know, if you read enough Romero, you'll find so did he. His first published homily that we have in, in the collection of him as Archbishop is his homily at the funeral of Father Rutilio Grande, mm-hmm. one of his good friends who had been martyred. And Romero, I don't know how you would do a funeral homily, but Romero decides to center and focus the entire homily on a passage from Paul VI. So when I have my students read this, they say, wait, 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 wait. It's a funeral homily and he's drawing upon the Pope as the central voice. And so I have students who say, wow, that's how I do theology. The witness of the Pope, the teachings of the the church, we need to be grounded in this. And Romero said this too. And yet I have other students who say, we need to be with the people. We need to hear the cries of the people. We need to hear the sufferings of the people. We need to respond to that. We need to lift people up. We need to act in solidarity. And you find that so deeply in Romero's life and witness. And so I find that my students, almost no matter where they're coming from, when they engage Romero, they find someone, they say, ah, like this is my person. And then they also hear a challenge to think more broadly, to broaden out one's sense of the faith, one's sense of mission. And so I just love that about him, the way in which he doesn't quite fit into our categories. Mm -hmm. And yet he's sort of, he's so strong and intentional and kind of on both. Wow, that's that's awesome. I really like that he he really challenges our tendencies to polarization. Yeah. Like on the one hand, to be faithful to the magisterium is also means also to be close to the people. To be close to the people means to be faithful to the magisterium. That's wow. Exactly. So yeah. so his episcopal motto actually was sentir con la iglesia. It's hard to translate, but to, to feel or to think with the church. Yeah. And I like to think of this as that with the church means with the tradition of the church, with the formal teachings of the church, and yet with the people of God. Hmm. To think, to go forward with the people. Hmm. In both of those senses, you can't understand him without it. And yet, I think we know so many people, it's one or the other. Yeah, <laughs> and somehow he holds us in attention. <laughs> exactly. Particularly today. Yeah. Um, you can think, just think of the divisions within the United States, much yeah. less around the world. Yeah. So. Wow, that's really timely. And just as we talk about Oscar Romero for today, right, we can also talk about Oscar Romero for today, judging Kellogg's team of democracy and human development. Yeah. Would you think, of course, Oscar will have something to say about like this strong themes of the Kellogg Institute, the themes of democracy and human development. Yeah. So I think it's interesting when we go back to a figure like Romero, Mm -hmm. because in some sense we can like appeal to his writings, his preaching, the ideas he unfolds. And I think there's a lot there. And he really develops out a sort of Latin American tradition of Catholic social teaching in incredibly powerful ways. And so, for instance, 
coming out of Vatican II, but then Medellin in 1968, the Latin American bishops, there's a strong emphasis that when we think of human development, when we mm. think of democracy, when we mm. think of human dignity, mm. the agency of the people mm. is crucial. So, so to avoid kind of paternalistic responses, but to, to always have the sort of people as artisans of their own destiny is the mm. line that oftentimes gets quoted. Mm. And so Romero sort of like exemplifies this. He thinks a lot about it. And he writes about it. So he represents this kind of tradition that we can receive today. But I also think figures like Romero, as like an individual, he kind of opens up a space in our moral imagination. Sometimes it's hard to know like what might a way forward look like in a mm. polarized world, in a world marked by a great deal of suffering, in a world marked by structures of sin. What does it look like to really respond to a structure of sin without entirely alienating the mm. other side? Or mm. to like, what does it look like? And I think someone like Romero he can open up a space in our moral imagination where even, you know, there's this famous line where he's speaking at the, another funeral of a death of a, a priest who was killed. In the middle of it, he says, my brother murderers. He says, my brothers who have done this crime, I want you to know that we love you and we want you to come back. We want you to repent. In some sense, I think someone like Romero can just open up a space in our moral imagination of what does it even mean to love our enemy? What does it mean to love all? to be a bishop of all in the midst of a, of a strong commitment to justice. Wow. Yeah, opening up the boundaries of imagination is like, I think it's like the theme today. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I think it's something that both the academia can offer to like, for lack of a better word, right? The, the ordinary life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also like what ordinary life can also offer to the academia. Exactly, because right? we can't go forward if we can't even imagine what it might look like. Mm -hmm. And sometimes as academics, we can get caught up in our concepts, caught up in our kind of narrow worldview, and it takes a massive social movement mm -hmm. to all of a sudden open up a whole nother vista True. of what might be possible. And then the opposite, right? And sometimes it's going to be engaging what's going on today, help me kind of open up my horizons. But sometimes looking back, we're always falling victim to sort of myopia. Like we're always falling victim to sort of a, an overly narrow way of thinking, or at least we oftentimes do. And sometimes it's looking around at our world can help, but sometimes looking back and seeing someone, particularly like Romero, because he himself, I think, you can trace his journey as this kind of gradual opening up seeing more, responding mm. to more. So even as an example of what it looks like to do this, he's, he's a wonderful figure. Oh, wow. And so is this what this book project you're doing right now is all about? So like, tell us more about this yeah, project. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, no, so I'm really excited. We have, we have some of the top scholars in really the world on Romero's thought. Oh, wow. And it's a book focused on Romero and Catholic social teaching. Mm. And the basic instinct of the book is Romero... He's recognized that he used Catholic social teaching, he liked Catholic social teaching, and he developed it in some ways. And he's often used as like you know, a pious example. And okay, I, I will say, I've done this too. In my courses, if I want to teach students about the preferential option, in part of it, oh, look what Romero does, yeah, right? Like he's, like, he's a like, pious example. Exactly, he's an example of this. And I actually have nothing, I like piety. I, I, I have nothing <laughs> against a sort of like, you know, just a good example of what might this look like. Mm. But in some sense, it's actually quite startling when you look at the last 40-some years of reflection since his death, 
there haven't been as many really deep, serious engagements of him with mm. him as a theological figure, as someone mm. kind of worthy of deep, critical engagement in terms of his theological ideas, in terms of how those ideas go into praxis. And so this book is really an attempt to do that, mm. to contextualize how he receives and teaches within the sort of Catholic social teaching tradition, but also sort of critically engaging that. Mm. And so we have essays on sort of human dignity, on the common good, on solidarity, but also on contemporary racism in light of his thought and his thought in light of decolonial theory. So a reception of him, which oftentimes would involve a certain critique of him, but an attempt to sort of receive and critically engage his thought for going forward. Oh, wow. That's a lot in, in one book project. <laughs> yeah. And so it's been really great. And, and Kellogg was absolutely essential in this. So we were actually able to gather together the 15 of us in the project for seven sessions over oh. the actually early stages, the, the, the kind of first year of the pandemic. We gathered over Zoom and we were able to present our essays to one another and get critical feedback. Mm -hmm. And so was, I don't know if you know these sort of work in progress sessions where you present <laughs> your work and, pe and, and, and people sort of like in a nice way come after you, but in a way that it's meant to really hone your work. And so it's actually been an incredibly fun project because the 15 of us were there and really pushing each other and pushing each other to make each essay uh, better, but also then to bring a coherence to the book. And so it's been a really kind of fun project to have these incredible experts come together. I, you know, just, it was, you know, just such a privilege just to sit there and listen to folks and Absolutely. then to be able to engage them. Yeah. So apart from the challenging fun yeah. of the work in progress organized by Kellogg, what particularly would you say have been like the challenges or maybe just one particular challenge um, this project has faced so far or is facing? Yeah. If any. <laughs> no, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, there's always the challenge of an edited volume of, of sort of, you know, if you've got 15 academics, it's like 15 cats that you have to herd and bring together and, and, and all of this. So there's definitely that. But really, overall, I think that the folks we have, so for instance, I, I can think of two of the first essays, it's actually the second and third essay in the volume, mm -hmm. are from Matthew Whalen and Michael Lee, mm -hmm. who are two just phenomenal scholars yeah. on Romero. Two of the best books that are out there are from them. Oh, wow. And it's wonderful because they don't have quite the same take on a number of issues, hmm. but they've been in dialogue for two years now. And they've honed their arguments and they've, they've actually come to more of a common ground and yet still some differences. Wow. And so actually, I expected there to be challenges of how do we have a coherent book yet with diversity of voices? but sort of just bringing people together, letting them encounter each other's thought in rich dialogue and trusting dialogue has been just a, a wonderful way to, to kind of move forward with this. So actually some of my fears never really resulted, I think because of being able just to be together over time, even on Zoom. Wow, I feel like this project embodies the thoughts of Romero himself, right? Because you earlier talked about how this figure stands tall today for us as an example of how to deal with the polarization in today's world and just even bringing together scholars who hold diverse views together to like work on this project. I feel like it's something really um, impressive. I wonder like what you might call the goal or the goals or the hopes of this project. Already there is one laid yeah. out the roads, but yeah, yeah. What do you see as like the hopes or the goals of this project? Yeah. No, I mean, actually on your point on kind of bringing people together, I think part of what Romero offers us is as long as we do share some fundamental good mm. that we're seeking, mm. we should be able to come together. Yeah. And not that we're going to have total agreement at the end, but we should, if we, if we have enough that's held in common, 
And I think this book project has had that be, it's been clear throughout how that can be so fruitful. Disagreements within a sort of common vision or a common commitment. I do hope in terms of the book that it contributes both to the study of Romero, Mm. that people will come, again, you can read the biographies of Romero and the fact that he loved Paul VI, the fact that he drew upon Catholic social teaching. This is clear, but in what way? And to treat him as a, a sort of figure who developed Catholic social teaching in its own right and to have this really contribute to how we understand Romero, that's sort of one goal. But the other also is... I don't want to critique my fellow scholars of Catholic social (laughs) teaching, but I mean, I think it's widely recognized that Catholic social teaching can have a sort of Vatican-centered, European-centered style about it. Mm. And there are good reasons for that in a sense, that Mm. there's teaching from encyclicals and from Vatican II that come from the Vatican. And these are authoritative in a certain way. It's an authoritative tradition. And so starting with Rerum Novarum and Leo XIII, so so it's sensible that you would have this. And nevertheless, that tradition, the tradition of Catholic social teaching has been developed throughout the world in diverse ways. And so I'm also hoping that this book can sort of be a voice in how Catholic social teaching, or at least one way Catholic social teaching has been received and developed within the Latin American context. So, I mean, just one little example for Romero, it's interesting. So there's the Latin American Bishops Conference in Puebla, in Mexico, in January of 1979. Mm-hmm. And Romero's homilies for the next year, I would be willing to bet he doesn't go one homily without citing Puebla. I mean, it, it just floods his work. Wow. And so you have someone who's thinking about the social commitment of the Christian faith so thoroughly grounded in the Latin American tradition of Catholic social doctrine. And so I think that's also, I'm hoping that on the sort of Catholic social teaching side, this voice can be amplified within how do we think of this kind of body of teaching. Oh, wow. Impressive. And this work, this ongoing project, does it have any connection with the Latin American, North American church concerns, the Lanark and with Kellogg? Yeah. I mean, actually, <laughs> Lanark, in, you know, so Father Bob Pelton started Lanark in time immemorial. I don't know. I mean, many, many <laughs> years like ago. 1985. No, no, so, yeah. exactly. Exactly. And so, and Father Bob's vision, which I think is just such a beautiful vision, is this vision of what he called reverse evangelization Mm. or reverse mission, where a sort of genuine fellowship between North and South, but not one where I think in his experience, it was, you know, the North sends missionaries. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and it's not, you know, obviously in any engagement, there's mutual enrichment, but he wanted to emphasize this sense of what can the global North learn? What sort of witness do we here need to receive from the global South? So in some sense, that sense of, Catholic social teaching, a sense of U.S. Christianity. Part of my hope is to carry forth what Father Bob did for decades in terms of receiving multiple witness of what, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to, to live out the faith, to be enriched by a sort of global vision of that? And then in terms of what it means to do that here. Wow, that's beautiful. And I, I wish you all the, all the best. May all your hopes and goals be realized <laughs> for this project. Yeah, but thanks for bringing Archbishop Oscar Romero to Global Stage. And thanks for sharing this incredible work with um, all of our audience today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. You've been listening to Global Stage, produced by the Kellogg Institute for International Studies. Listen to other episodes here or wherever you get your podcasts. Global Stage also can be found online at kellogg.nd.edu or by asking your smart speaker to play Global Stage. 